Pretty much overnight, our metro now unmasked. Are you still wearing yours? Today has just been a happy day. It's like a butterfly coming out of its cocoon. In this whiplash week of news, we look at what happens next. Masking children is child abuse. Plus, from gas tax hikes to dropping residency requirements for our police officers, the issues, moments, and newsmakers of our week, straight ahead. Week in Review is made possible through the generous support of Dave and Jamie Cummings, Bob and Marlise Gourley, the Courtney S. Turner Charitable Trust, John H. Mize and Bank of America N.A. co-trustees, and by viewers like you. Thank you. Hello everyone, I'm Nick Haynes, and thank you for joining us as we dissect the most impactful local news stories of our week on that journey with us. In Columbia, Missouri right now, Missouri Capitol Bureau Chief Emily Manley, who keeps abreast of all things Missouri politics for Fox 2 News in St. Louis and Fox 4 News right here in Kansas City. Uh, also with us, Eric Wesson, who leads Kansas City's African-American newspaper, The Call, and from the pages of your Kansas City star, Dave Helling. With rare exception now, almost every place in our metro is unmasked. Kauffman Stadium now joining most bars, restaurants, and stores in ditching their mask policy. And by the way, eliminating all capacity limits. They're now filling up every seat. Wyandotte County, the single holdout in the metro, still requiring face coverings. But at this point, it's probably quicker to list the places that are still imposing a mask policy than those that aren't. We're basically working on the honor system right now. So as it, uh, I guess it's the term has been thrown around a little bit. Uh, so uh, leaving it up to our customers, if they want to wear one, uh, they can. If they don't want to wear one, they don't have to. I've also noticed, though, that since the mandate has been lifted, there a lot. most of our guests do wear the mask, so which we really appreciate. And that's what surprised me, too. I was at Target store that dropped its mask policy, and still everybody was always wearing their masks there. But by the hour, it seems one more local business or national chain is dropping its mask requirements. It really is hard to keep up. Did you expect the dominoes, Dave Helling, to drop so soon? It's surprising, perhaps, that businesses are going away from masks so quickly. But as you point out, a lot of people have not gone away from masks. A lot of folks are still wearing them. There's some confusion as to what the CDC was actually saying. There's no way of knowing if the guy standing next to you is, have, has been in, uh, inoculated or not. So I think there is some confusion. I do think there is enormous weariness with COVID-19, and that may explain why so many people are so anxious to get rid of these mandates. But it's going to be very hard to put the genie back in the bottle, isn't it? Uh, right now, if there were to be an uptick in cases, if we were to have new virus strains, is it going to be virtually impossible to tell people to come back to wearing masks? It's going to be difficult to get them to do that. I saw a confrontation between a customer and a store. The customer didn't want to wear a mask, but the employee was saying, well, it's our store policy and they went back and forth for a good five minutes debating the issue uh, until finally the customer went and got one of the disposable masks that stores offered and put it on. So I think it's just gonna be a lot of people like Dave said are gonna continue to wear it. I wear mine still. It's interesting, only one in three Kansas residents, only one in three Missouri residents, Emily, are currently vaccinated. And it was interesting as the legislature finished its session, 
In both states, in Kansas and Missouri, they failed to pass any rules that required or blocked businesses from requiring proof of vaccinations. Given that they have super majorities in Kansas and Missouri for Republicans, what happened there? Well, actually, in Missouri, they did get a vaccine passport to get under Mike Parsons' desk. Counties, cities, towns, they are not allowed to use vaccine passports to stop people from using public transportations or even accommodations. But not businesses, though. They're still free to act and they can do whatever they like. Isn't that still the case? That is still the case. Local businesses still can do as they please. They can import, they can require people to show their vaccine passport before they walk into the store if they want. One of the interesting things to watch unfold, though, is whether or not people are going to continue to get vaccinated. Uh, because it's kind of like if you're in certain areas and you listen to people, it's like, Okay, we're out of the woods with this thing. So do we still need to get a vaccine? So I think it's going to be interesting to watch if those numbers go down uh, as people stop wearing their masks. Did you see the governor of Ohio is actually trying to get more people to get the shot by hosting a COVID lottery? Five lucky Ohioans can win a million dollars each and younger Buckeyes won't have to miss out on the largesse either. The state is choosing five vaccinated teenagers to receive full-ride scholarships to one of Ohio's public universities. The governor, Mike DeWine, is a Republican. So what about Mike Parson? Any hint he's ready to plan something similar in Missouri, Emily? I actually asked him that question two weeks ago now, and I asked him based off of South Carolina, where that state actually offered savings bonds to people between the ages of 16 to 30 to show that they are fully vaccinated. I said, is it going to be savings bonds? And he said, no. And then I asked the question again to say, what is it going to be? And all he would tell me is that the state is currently working on some sort of incentive, some sort of plan to get Missourians fully vaccinated and to make sure that they have that card to say, yes, we're vaccinated to keep those cases down here in the state. On this program before, Dave Helling, you've expressed concern about uh, Laura Kelly's uh, re-election chances in the state of Kansas. Could this be a winner for her, start offering money, a lottery for people in Kansas as she seeks re-election? Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how the state legislature would react to that if the governor would offer any kind of incentive. You know, Nick, the, the, the incentive for most people was supposed to be the end of the mask mandate. The idea from CDC was, hey, you can take off your mask if you've gotten the shot. Uh, but the reality is that most people now just think the mask orders have been lifted, doesn't have anything to do with vaccinations. And so that incentive ha ha has disappeared. With gas prices at their highest level in seven years, Missouri is getting ready to raise those prices some more. State lawmakers approving a 12-cent hike in the gas tax. It will be phased in starting in October. It's expected to bring in $500 million more a year to improve our highways and bridges. Missouri currently has the second lowest gas tax in the nation after Alaska. So it may make sense why they want to raise it. But I thought Republicans hated tax hikes. So why impose, Emily, what is going to be an unpopular tax at a time when prices Prices are already rising so fast. I agree with you. I was kind of surprised with how many Republicans were actually for this gas tax. Now, there was kind of um, a road bump, no pun intended, on, on the floor when it came to this in the House that had to do with this should go to the vote of the people. And that amendment didn't pass. There is an effort to put this on the ballot, Nick. Amer uh, Americans for Prosperity, Missouri, AFP Missouri is 
said it wants to gather petition signatures. It's filed paperwork with the Secretary of State. So there yet could be an election uh, on this tax. And as we know, gas taxes have not been popular at the ballot box. So we'll have to see what happens. The other thing is, and Emily might be able to talk about this as well, the bill that raises the gas tax has a weird rebate provision in it where you can kind of get your money back if you keep receipts. That's very strange. It enables the Republicans to go back and say, hey, we didn't really raise your taxes. So there are a couple of wrinkles in this debate going forward. Before we find out how that works, I want to bring in Eric, uh, because it is interesting on that rebate. You can pay not one extra dime in taxes uh, based on this gas tax hike if you keep all of your receipts. Is that based then on the, the notion that most people are not going to do that, so they'll end up paying anyway? Who wants to keep a year's worth of gas receipts in your, <laughs> in your pocket? Yeah, they, you know, they figure most people are not going to do that. Because usually when I buy gas, if it asks me for a receipt, I always say no. Uh, it's just more clutter in your car. But one of the interesting things that I found in there where they were penalizing people more for electric cars, because I've been thinking about an electric car, and then I look at this, and it's a 20% increase. Tax. Yeah, you're going to get a 20% increase on hybrid and electric cars. So that would be a disincentive to you, Eric? Yeah, that would be a disincentive. I'd rather just go ahead and pay for the gas and be done with it. Emily, let me understand better, though, how this rebate actually works, though. You do literally just keep those receipts, and then you send them to the state house, or what, how does that work? So just like Eric said, keeping receipts for an entire year. Wow, that's a lot. Um, and it has to do with, and lawmakers that were for this explained multiple times on the floor that you don't necessarily have to keep the receipt. If you don't want to, you can take a picture. Okay, well, do I want my phone cluttered with pictures for uh, of receipts for an entire year? Probably not. So it's going to be pretty strenuous for a Missourian to keep all those receipts. Imagine having to download all of those receipts from your cell phone. Looks good and sounds good, but I don't think it's very bad. We, of course, are on a state line, Dave Helling, and that means a lot of people in Kansas right now actually go over to Missouri to get their gas because the gas tax is cheaper. But by the end of this in 2025, the gas tax in uh, Missouri will be five cents more. So will we see the opposite happening at that point, or will the pressure be on for Kansas to raise its gas tax now? Kansas certainly could do so. Uh, its highways are also underfunded. But, Nick, uh, amidst all this weird talk about rebates and uh, gas taxes, there's an important point here, and that is that relying on gasoline and fuel taxes to pay for road repairs is increasingly problematic in a world with electric vehicles and with gasoline-powered cars that get much better mileage than they used to. It used to be, you know, 20 miles to the gallon. Now some cars get 40 or 50. That has reduced revenue uh, to both states, not to mention that the expenses for highway repairs have gone up. There needs to be a real reckoning on how we pay for highways and how much work needs to be done. This was a big week of protests in Kansas City and among those taking to the streets were Kansas Cityans unhappy that their lawmakers in Missouri left for home without finding any cash to implement last year's voter-approved Medicaid expansion measure. That is due to go into effect on July 1st, which is just six weeks away. What happens now, Dave Helling? There will be a lawsuit filed. Uh, it may be sooner than July 1st. There's some chatter that because Governor Mike Parson has decided to withdraw the state's application to the federal government for new uh, Medicaid regulations, that a lawsuit could come more quickly than that. But almost certainly on July 1, someone will be going to a courthouse somewhere in Missouri 
uh, to try and force the government to enroll these people who are now under the Constitution uh, uh, eligible for expanded Medicaid. And then we'll see how long it takes the courts to decide whether the legislature wants to revisit this. Uh, you know, they, they messed up at the end of the session and failed to pass the Medicaid tax for regular Medicaid. So they're about $2 billion and change short of what they need to do on that. They'll have to come back for a special session. So this question remains very, very open. Lawmakers on both sides of the aisle have told me that they're prepared to come back here to Jefferson City. They have to pass this. It's called the FRA tax, which is the Federal Reimbursement Allowance Program, which is what Dave was just talking about. It funds the Medicaid program here in the state of Missouri. You, you, there's no way around it. It has to be done, and it has to be done by September 30th. And they didn't accomplish that here in session. So I think that we will see lawmakers make their way back here to Jefferson City this summer. In Kansas, lawmakers lowered the age to carry a concealed weapon to 18 in their session. Missouri also focused on guns before heading home. Lawmakers passed a measure blocking local police departments from enforcing any new federal gun laws. So if President Biden were to pass any new executive orders limiting certain weapons or gets Congress to approve new waiting limits and more restrictive background checks, Eric, the Kansas City Police Department and the Lee Summit Police Department would just stand down. Is that the deal? You know, that's going to be very touchy. I think it's going to probably be decided in the courts because I don't believe that the cities and could or the states could do something contrary to what the feds were doing, uh, especially with gun control. I think that's something that will probably play itself out in the court. If the Kansas City, Missouri police stop you and somebody's in violation of the gun law, uh, for example, a felon in possession, of a firearm kind of situation, that's going to be an issue that's going to have to be settled in the courts. But don't cities and states already do that and, and uh, go against federal gun laws and, and federal laws of all kinds, Dave? For instance, you think about marijuana, which is still an offense at the federal level, yet that's being decriminalized locally, and on immigration, where you have local police departments and cities saying, we're not going to be working with federal uh, immigration agents, for instance. Yeah, there, there are some similarities, Nick, but there are some differences two in terms of what cities do or don't do or states do or don't do, particularly on marijuana, you're right, it's still illegal at the federal level and the federal government could theoretically come in and start arresting people uh, in Missouri where uh, medical cannabis is allowed. So it's a little different than a nullification bill, which is what the Second Amendment Preservation Act truly is. It in essence says whatever the feds do, we don't have to follow it. That seems to have been discussed for some time in this country, and the uh, general feeling is the federal government has superiority in those laws over states and local government. Emily. I want to add this part because I think this Second Amendment Preservation Act not only nullifies the state from guns, but we were talking about police departments here, and here's a part of the bill that some lawmakers were saying it defunds, defunds police because if a law enforcement officer, if a police department goes and, in, you know, violates your Second Amendment rights, takes away your gun, they can be fined up to $50,000. That is in this legislation that, you know, not only, guess what, here in Missouri, you can have your guns no matter what the federal government says, but now police departments can be fined for thousands and thousands of dollars if they go and violate someone's Second Amendment rights. So, I think this is far from over, and just like Eric said, I think this is going to be in court. 
Missouri lawmakers also making it official. Kansas City police officers no longer have to live in the city in which they serve. That decades-long policy is now gone. So what happens now? In this last week, Eric Wesson, did we see hundreds of officers put out the for sale sign on their homes? Uh, no, but you know, I was thinking of a politically correct term to use for this. And the only thing I could come up with is asinine uh, because we look at all the issues in the state of Missouri and lawmakers spent hours, weeks, months putting this bill together. If a requirement to work at a job is that you live there and you don't want to live there, don't work there. Go work for Lee Summit. Go work for Blue Springs. Go work for Grandview. But I think with all the things that are going on in Kansas City or the state of Missouri uh, as a whole, why spend time arguing this? Why spend legislative time putting this bill together? They should pay tax in the city that they work in. You mentioned, Dave, early on in this debate that uh, if this were to happen, and now it is, um, then the city might be forced to require other workers to, and, and drop the requirement on, say, a water department worker or a parks department worker as a result of this as well. Right, or a fire department worker, and they're in contract negotiations. This might be an issue that the fire department would want to raise and uh, other city workers as well. A couple of other notes, Nick. There is chatter at City Hall that uh, some council members are concerned about the police department's take-home policy that allows officers to drive their police vehicles home at night. There's concern that if you allow someone to drive home to a, to a residence outside of the city limits, that A is bad and B has some insurance implications, so look for some chatter on that. We expect Mayor Quentin Lucas to announce some pretty fundamental changes in the way the city funds the police department, at least part of that is a reaction to this decision by the legislature, which he was strongly opposed to. I should point out, because I did in my own little analysis this week, by the way, but in Lee Summit, police there don't have to live in the city. In Independence, you do not have to. And on the Kansas side, Overland Park police and do not have to live in the city in which they, they serve. Many police departments, including Leeward, don't require you uh, to live in the city. But on this particular bill, uh, now gone to the governor's desk, uh, Eric Wesson, the police still have restrictions. They have to live within 30 minutes or 30 miles, should I say, of city limits. They can't go over to Kansas, but they can be 30 miles of city limits. But in a sense, were they really patrolling the areas that they were policing anyway? Couldn't you be, you know, several miles north of, north of KCI Airport and coming in 30, 35-minute uh, drive to get to the patrol area that you were serving? So how much difference does this really make? And, you know, it, it doesn't make a lot of difference, but fundamentally it does. And you're absolutely right. There's very few officers that I know that live on 35th and Bell Fountain or, or 27th and Woodland. There's very few officers that live there. But it's a situation where they are not connected to the community. And, and in doing so, it's like you said, they all live on the outskirts of town anyway. I had a friend of mine that worked for the police department. He was required to live there. His wife worked for Independence School District, and she had to live in Independence for the residency rule. So they had to pay for two households. They were probably minutes apart. And, uh, you know, you had situations where police were renting trailers in order to meet the residency requirement, but they were living with their family somewhere else. So it's kind of like if you don't want to live here, don't work here. Don't apply to work for Kansas City, Missouri Police Department. Where are our city council people going to come from now? 
They can come from Overland Park as well. Uh, if you know, yeah. absolutely, we shouldn't have a re residency requirement there either. Two interesting political developments worth mentioning this week in both Kansas and Missouri. Last year, Kansas Democratic Congresswoman Sharice Davids got a big boost in her re-election campaign when she was being endorsed by the nation's biggest business group, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. Usually supports Republican candidates. Now it's payback time. The Kansas Chamber of Commerce now dropping its membership in the U.S. Chamber. They're the only one so far. Even even though a number of top Republican politicians are now claiming it has become a front service for, quote, woke corporations. Ultimately, though, Dave, what difference does this make? I mean, it may make a difference in terms of campaign contributions, and it makes for a good newspaper story once in a while, or maybe even a TV story. But as a practical matter, endorsements mean less and less and less, particularly in high-profile races like congressional races. People make up their minds on a lot of different things. Whether or not the chamber is endorsed, Sharice Davids or not, is probably less important. So the fact that the Kansas chamber, though, is, is ditching its involvement with the U.S. chamber is not going to mean we're going to lose all of these companies, all of these opportunities in the state of Kansas? No, that's not my view. I think this is a, a political tiff between the two organizations, but won't have a major impact on business or politics in the state. In Missouri, another controversial figure has entered the race to succeed retiring Senator Roy Blunt. St. Louis attorney Mark McCloskey made national headlines last summer when he and his wife drew their guns and confronted Black Lives Matter protesters outside their home. He announced his candidacy on the Fox News program Tucker Carlson tonight. You know, God came knocking on my door last summer disguised as an angry mob, and it, it really did wake me up. What I've learned is that the people out there in this country are just sick and tired of cancel culture and the poison of critical race theory and the big lie of systemic racism, all backed up by the threat of mob violence. Emily, I have to say, first of all, I thought that he was slapped with a federal felony gun charge last year as a result of that. That doesn't preclude him from running for this U.S. Senate race? I guess not, but the most interesting part is here in Missouri last summer when all this went down, Governor Mike Parson made it very clear in multiple press conferences that he would pardon the McCloskeys no matter what happened because they were protecting themselves in their own yard. So I'm very interested in this race now that we have Mark McCloskey running against Eric Schmidt and Eric Schmidt and Governor Mike Parson are pretty tight not only do they obviously lead the state together, but they're also friends outside of work. So I'm very interested to see what stand Governor Mike Parson would take when it comes to this Senate race. Yeah, the other thing, Nick, is that the Republican primary is far too St. Louis heavy. <laughs> right, Emily? I mean, you've got Greitens is from St. Louis and Mark McCloskey is from St. Louis and Eric Schmidt claims he lives in Columbia or Jeff City, but he really lives in St. Louis. In fact, he wants to be the mayor of St. Louis, I think. So we need to get some folks on this side of the state involved. Look for Vicki Hartzler, the fourth district congresswoman. She may give it a go. I was surprised last week we had Mayor Quinton Lucas on the program, and I thought when he had a new baby, he just got married, that he would have no interest any longer uh, in this race for this United States Senate seat. And he says, no, if there's no big standard bearer for the Democratic Party, he will ask his wife's uh, ap uh, apology, uh, forgiveness, and, and run for this. Um, but is there any hope, any prospect, any evidence that there is going to be another big-name Democrat getting into this race? Well, I, if for me, I'd keep an eye on Jay Nixon, the former governor. I do think he feels like if there is no other big name, he may need to step forward, particularly since Greitens, Eric Greitens could be the nominee or even Mark McCloskey. 
could potentially win. And, and then the Democrats would really feel stupid if they didn't have a quality candidate. So I think Jay Nixon, but the mayor really has, hasn't he, Nick, sounded more like a candidate than not, which I think is fascinating. You'd think he could put the kibosh on this tomorrow if he just said, I'm not running, but he hasn't done that. That suggests he has more interest than maybe we know. And he was in Washington rubbing shoulders with our top political leaders last week, Eric. Yes, he was. And he seemed to fit right in. <laughs> he, knew, uh, he knew who to talk to and how to say it. I wouldn't be surprised if he threw his hat in the ring. When you put a program like this together every week, you can't get to every local story making the headlines. What was the big local story we missed? Another week of protest, this time over Gaza on the Country Club Plaza, the Israeli flag stripped from a flagpole. A different set of protesters in Johnson County, parents demanding an end to school mask mandates. Masking children is child abuse. The computer chip shortage, even worse than we thought, Kansas City's Ford plant extending its shutdown. It won't bring back its 7,000 workers until June 14th. The GM Fairfax plant now shut down through the first week of July. The Kansas City Monarchs take the field again for the first time in nearly 60 years. While everything is now beginning to open back up, the Mission Gateway project still stalled. It was supposed to be opened at the tail end of last year. And no Rush Limbaugh Day after all. The special holiday to honor the talk radio pioneer stripped from a bill just hours before Missouri lawmakers headed for home. But they are honoring Negro Leagues baseball with a new license plate. $10 of each purchase goes to the museum at 18th and Vine. Eric Wesson, did you pick one of those stories or did you pick something completely different? Absolutely. The Negro Leagues baseball license plate for uh, cars in the state of Missouri. I think that is a very admirable thing for, to have happen to the state of Missouri and Negro Leagues baseball. Dave Helling. Governor Mike Parson this week decided to cut off federal unemployment benefits of $300 a week for those who have been receiving them and were to have received them through September. He says that not enough people are looking for jobs. Uh, Governor Laura Kelly in Kansas made the opposite decision. Those payments will continue in that state. And Emily Manley. Well, I think this is going to be very exciting for college athletes here in the state of Missouri. The Missouri legislature at the very end, the very last day of session, they decided to pass legislation that would allow student athletes to be paid for their name, their likeness, and their image. A lot of other SEC schools already allow their student athletes to be paid for their name and likeness. And on that, we will say our week has been reviewed. Thank you, Emily Manley, connecting with us from Columbia this week. She's the Capitol Bureau Chief for Fox 2 News in St. Louis and Fox 4 News right here in Kansas City. Connecting to us from closer to home, the calls Eric Wesson and the stars Dave Howling. And I'm Nick Haynes from all of us here at Kansas City PBS. Be well, keep calm, and carry on.